Today on Ag News Daily. There's a lot of cows that have gone to town, so we're going to have less numbers next year. But we're running into a few headwinds, too. We've got inflationary pressures. Uh, As far as uh, international markets, we've had port congestion. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a Thursday, December 8th edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored today by Mystic Lubes. For a full look at their top quality products, head to mysticlubes.com. Tanner, how are you doing this morning? I'm a little slow. I had uh, another great night of building relationships and hanging out with some really neat people over here in Omaha, uh, but we're up and running. Is that just code for adult festivities? Well, yeah. You most of the time partake in those. We did get back to the hotel a little bit late, and there was a group of people playing cards without adult festivities. So it can be done both ways. Well, I went to bed early, and it was a great decision. <laughs> That's good. Good for you. You know, these trade shows are great, but they can be a little draining when you're talking to folks all day and there's a lot of information to take in. But have you taken in anything interesting? while we've been here? Uh, There was a conversation uh, with the CEO of FBN and the CEO of ADM, or I'm sorry, the president of North America for ADM. And the discussion that they were able to have around how the U.S. economy is stationed compared to the economies around the world how U.S. farmers are, you know, producing a superior commodity, and then had a, a pretty large view of what the future supply chain challenges are going to be, and there was certainly a lot of concern around nitrogen availability in the future. So I'd say that was probably the most eye-opening presentation that I got to sit in on. Well, that's good, interesting stuff here, Tanner. But I tell you what, heading home today. We could have some inclement weather as there are two major winter storms crossing the U.S. here over the next seven days. The first is the weaker of the two. So hopefully we will see everyone have safe travels home from farmer to farmer today. But there are definitely some winter weather advisories that have already been posted for parts of the Midwest on the at least western side of the Midwest. And those two storm systems, like I said, they're the second one is going to be the worst worse of the two. Uh, And that one sounds like it will start to take form maybe Friday afternoon into Saturday, Tanner. Yeah, it's going to cover quite a few of our listeners. I had looked at that this morning. You know, it kind of looks like from southwestern Kansas to central Wisconsin. uh, Here in Iowa, we're going to get probably mostly freezing rain today, but uh, certainly something for our listeners to pay attention to. And I'm my first headline, not necessarily ag-related, but definitely politically related and across all news wires is that Brittany Griner has been granted her freedom in exchange for the merchant of death. So the Russian arms dealer known as the merchant of death was swapped as a prisoner swap for Brittany Griner. I don't didn't know if any of our listeners had remembered, but the... Merchant of Death was serving a 25-year prison sentence in the U.S. on charges of conspiring to kill Americans, acquire and export anti-aircraft missiles, and provide material support to terrorist organizations. 
However, the Kremlin thought that these claims in 2012 were baseless and biased and was certainly the focus from the beginning of these negotiations, Delaney. However, a lot of respondents to this news, even coming from the ag world, is that the amount of fairness in the swap for prisoners, considering Brittany was uh, on a shorter sentence, was in a less security holding, and there are other U.S. individuals being detained in Russia that could have been thrown into the deal. So more pushback again at the Biden administration around this article. I don't think I remember this story at all from years ago. I don't either. That's why I figured I, you know, I clicked on it because I was curious. And the deeper I got into this, uh, it was very interesting. It looks like uh, the U.S. attorney assigned to the merchant of death is grateful that even after 15 years, Victor will be able to go back and be reunited with his wife and daughter. So uh, quite interesting to see how things play out here as well. And if nobody or if their listeners don't necessarily remember why Brittany Griner was detained, she had uh, vape canisters with cannabis oil in them mm. as she was getting ready to fly out and leave the country. So she was detained for having an illegal substance. Um, so a very small misdemeanor, certainly nothing compared to allegedly trying to ship missiles out of a country. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But switching over to some other D.C.-related headlines here, Tanner, we have word today that the White House's Office of Management and Budget, or OMB, has officially launched in a review of a request by nine governors to change the federal law to permanently allow year-round E-15 sales. This move comes, of course, as we've seen agricultural groups and pushing Congress to pass year year round E15. And so we saw senators from the months of April till June, including Iowa, Ohio, Illinois, Kansas, Minnesota, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wisconsin, asked the EPA to begin a rulemaking that would place E10 and E15 on equal regulatory footing beginning in the summer of 2023. So now we know that OMB typically takes about 60 days to review. And following that review, Tanner, of course, those states are hoping that OMB makes the strong case that E15 sales do in fact make sense. And that in 2023, we will start to see those be at the pipeline or be at the pump, excuse me, permanently. Yes, those would be good changes. Uh, Let's pause here early in this episode for a message from our sponsor today. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. So Delaney, not great news coming out of a uh, briefing in Russia with President Vladimir Putin. On Wednesday, he acknowledged that the conflict with Ukraine is going to continue to take a while. He also warned that there is an increasing threat of using nuclear war power. So he spoke at Russia's Human Rights Council at the Kremlin 
He stated that Moscow will fight by all available means at our disposal. He insisted that at this point in time, this is classified as a special military operation, but he also saw no immediate need to mobilize more troops. So it looks like, according to the reports coming out of this meeting, that he didn't directly threat nuclear war, that it is presumed by the way he was speaking around the topic. So he was asked in regards to the protracted nature of the special military operation in which he responded without categorically the stating the type of firepower that he would use. So nuclear is certainly in the Russian arsenal. He said, as for the idea that Russia won't use such drastic weapons under any circumstances, this means that we won't be able to use them second. And if they do get used, we would want to be first. So not great news coming out of Russia as it looked like the Ukrainians were pushing forward and making some successful advancements. It doesn't look like there will be an end in sight very soon. Well, Senator, we did have some successful advancements on the Mexico GM banning front. As we saw, Mexico has officially offered to extend their deadline to ban genetically modified corn until 2025. This has had a lot of interesting um, feedback from this announcement. A lot of folks now, Tanner, are suggesting that this was all just a political scheme and that there is definitely something going on behind closed doors that Mexico is trying to negotiate for here. But they have officially decided they've shaken hands. And at least for now, until 2025, uh, this ban is not going into place. So it does appear that there is something else going on that's bigger at play that we have no idea about currently. It'll be interesting to see how markets open this morning to see if that news yesterday had much of effect. I know that my ethanol report was very positive for corn producers. Ethanol production has now surged to its highest level in over a year. And the production of the biofuel increased to an average of 1.077 million barrels per day for the week that ended December 2nd. That's up from 1.018, so a significant jump. And that is the highest level since December 10th of 2021. The stockpiles, however, are up a little bit, which obviously would come with record production to a stock of 23.257. That's up from 22.934. So we'll have to watch now as demand reports come out next week to see if we're going to continue to see inventories rise or if it will be a ongoing stress level for low stock. Well, as we continue to watch news coming out of Brazil, we are expected, according to CONAB, to see a record grain crop produced for the 22-23 growing season. CONAB estimate, estimates that Brazil's total grain crop is expected to reach a record 312 million tons. And specifically here, the nation's soybean production will be seen reaching 153.48 million tons in this new season, which is up 22% over last year, Tanner, while total corn production is expected to jump about 11% to 125 million metric tons. And corn actually, I believe, came a little bit lower compared to where, where CONAB was previously. 
But the other piece of news here we got was out of Russia. Sovcon, which is again, Econ, I should say, is their USDA type of agency that puts out these um, types of reports that CONAB and USDA does. But Econ has raised their 22-23 Russian wheat export forecast by 200,000 metric tons, now seeing a an estimate of 43.9 million metric tons, as they're saying the pace of shipments has also increased in the final quarter of 2022. They're expecting to see wheat exports up 33% compared to the same time last year. And they said that wheat exports will slow substantially in 2023 with winter weather and Black Sea Concerns lingering, but for now, they're going to continue to push the envelope as far as production is concerned. Wow, and both of those stories you reported on significant percentages of increase, 22 and 33, uh, will be very difficult if those come to fruition to see the demand jump to go along with that supply. Well, last piece I have for today will be talking about labor in the workforce. Let's take a quick break here for one more commercial. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Senators are optimistic about getting a new bill passed for farm workforce. So there are senators working together. There are now one Democrat and two Republicans that are working on the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. They have already worked on and proposed a couple of small revisions to the committee and have more revisions made and are hoping to attach that language to one of the mass must-pass bills. The uh, Appropriations Act is being one of those bills that's considered, and the National Defense Authorization Act is another. So it looks like, Dwayne, we're getting really close to the Workforce Modernization Act language going into and attached to other bills that are getting passed through. They discussed this ability to get something done during the lame duck session period with Brownfield's Larry Lee. It'll be interesting to see if it gets through and when President Biden gets to review it to see if anything else will be attached or suggested as this was the discussion that we reported on a couple of weeks ago related to H-2A workers and their length of visa, if that's the correct terminology. But anyway, their length of ability to be here and the frequency in which they can return. So it's good to see that even though this is usually typically a quiet legislative time, they're going to try and get something put in there before the end of the year. Well, Tanner, I think the last piece of news we really have to touch on here is markets as well as tomorrow's WASDE report, which, as uh, Ted shared earlier this week, isn't expected to be a huge market maker or market mover, rather. But the WASDE will drop tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central Time. And as we look at what analysts are expecting to see in this report, many are expecting to see lower corn demand reflected in this week's report on lower exports, lower ethanol, and um, 
production concerns. As far as soybeans go, soybeans have definitely seen some more price action over the last couple of weeks, even with barge restrictions. And nine out of the 19 analysts surveyed on the Dow Jones survey of analysts expects to see soybean production and estimates stay largely the same. They said, even though, uh, you know, we've seen Export sales a little lower than usual, and that's always a concern this time of year. Expecting to see production and exports uh, demand stay right in line with where we've seen previously on reports. And wheat is the final commodity here. Uh, As far as analyst expectations, Tanner, they are largely anticipating USDA to lower their estimate of world ending stocks for wheat just slightly. But As we well know, uh, USDA doesn't always follow in line with what analyst expectations are. But ahead of tomorrow's WASDE report, markets have opened pretty quiet here this morning. Definitely not trading any higher on the news of Mexico postponing their GM ban. March corn is currently unchanged here at the open at 641 and a half. January soybeans are up about four and a half cents here at 1476 and a half. March wheat down six and a half cents at 743. And as we hop over and take a look in the livestock markets here today, we're seeing some mixed trade. February live cattle up 20 cents on the day at a buck 5375. January feeders adding a dollar 47 at the open at 182.37 and February lean hogs are currently trading down about $2.52.5 at 84.12 and a half. Tanner, without further ado, let's kick it over to today's conversation coming to us from NAFB with Jimmy Taylor of the Cattlemen's Beef Board. Listeners, we're here with Jimmy Taylor of the Cattlemen's Beef Board and the Beef Council from Denver, Colorado. Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me today. Absolutely. So just to start off, can you give us a high-level overview of what the Cattlemen's Beef Board does and what programs y'all fund? Okay. Uh, be happy to. Check-off dollars are collected by the State Beef Councils. And the State Beef Council will keep 50 cents of that. And they'll send 50 cents to the national organization, which is the Cattlemen's Beef Board, which I'm involved with. So this last year for programs, we had $38.5 million to spend on programs. We had enough programs that, that requests were $48 million. So we had to trim our budget to fit what money we had call a program uh, NAR, authorization request. So we had uh, 15 ARs, and we cut that to 13, and then had to cut dollars from each of those programs, uh, the dollars that were requested. We, we came up with less money. But our job is to create beef demand, and we try to look at programs that give the biggest bang for the buck that we can to put those dollars to good use. Our board consists of 101 members from across the United States. We have 42 different states that have a board member on there. And they're producers uh, from across the United States. Uh, for example, like myself, uh, we have about 600 females in our herd, 500 cows plus, plus heifers. And uh, myself, my wife, and we have one employee that, that run that. So uh, last year, I paid into the checkoff around $300. If I was trying to promote beef myself, that $300 wouldn't go very far. It, uh, I might be able to buy an ad or two, and that would be about it. 
but by all producers pooling their money together, we can do a lot of different things. Uh, programs that we're involved with, such as the Northeast Beef Promotion, uh, that's where we take money from high cattle population states. For instance, Nebraska has four cows for every person. And we put those dollars to use up in the Northeast United States, where there's 14 people for one cow. And there's about 72 million people in that area. And we use the money to educate uh, health professionals, consumers, uh, nutritionists about beef, uh, where people will learn more about it. And it'll also combat any misinformation that's out there. And with those 13 ARs you touched on, which one of those is the most successful in getting consumers' attention? And which one is growing the fastest? Each one works in a different way. Uh, we have six different program committees. We have consumer trust, domestic marketing, international marketing, nutrition and health, safety and product innovation, and stakeholder engagement. So we try to touch on every one of those areas. So I don't know that I could, could put my finger on any one because they're all important and they work together in different ways. Uh, you know, looking at, at beef safety, that's, that's high in consumers' mind. Looking at sustainability, that's very important to people. And, uh, we need to get that message out. You know, we're, there's misinformation out there that beef is responsible for 14% of greenhouse gases. Well, that's an international number. Here in the United States, we have done a much better job with developing our cattle where that number here is actually 2.6%. Even if you add in all the transportation and everything it takes to develop a fed steer, that only goes to 3.9%. So so correcting things like that. Another program that comes to mind is uh, issues management team. Uh, those dollars go to keep that team in place. So they're monitoring media 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So if anything negative comes out about beef, they're there to respond. And I'm talking like misinformation that might be out there. Uh, they can get the truth out there that, that refutes it, refutes that. If we had, uh, say like a BSE outbreak like we, we had, uh, a few years ago, uh, we can get the correct information out there and keep a panic from happening and, and keep those markets. Probably one of the bigger bangs for the buck is is our international marketing program. Demand this year has been very good in the United States. Uh, as good as it's been, it's even better internationally. We set an all-time record last year, and we're on pace to break that this year. Last year, we had $10.576 billion worth of exports. This year, through the first nine months, it's over $9 billion so far. And to put that in perspective, if we quit right now and just took those nine months uh, worth of exports, we would be second all time behind last year. That's how how good it's going. We're on pace to get to $12 billion in exports. And Jimmy, sorry to interrupt you, but with those increasing demands, and we know that cattle slaughter is going up, is our inventory set to stay on pace with these increasing demands? Well, uh, right now it's not due to drought. There's a lot of cows that have gone to town, so we're going to have less numbers next year. But we're running into a few headwinds, too. We've, we've got inflationary pressures. Uh, as far as uh, international markets, we've had port congestion. That's uh, playing into that a little bit. Uh, they're still dealing with COVID on the Pacific Rim. So those things will play into it. But no, we will not have the same cattle numbers for the next two or three years. Uh, it'll have to cycle back. Demand, I, I don't, you know, with inflation, so far they're holding. But 
you know, who knows? Uh, the, the consumer will have a limit as to how much they'll they'll spend for things. And I know that there's worries that some of these decreasing cattle numbers will hurt the smaller guys in the industry. Those big players, Cactus, High Plains, are they going to be able to keep up with these increasing demands even with the lowering inventory? Uh, uh, I, I don't know what you know their, their situation is. I, I would think that uh, demand domestically, domestically and internationally would uh, create markets that that if we keep the demand high that will benefit all all producers uh for instance the international uh exports they bring back four hundred sixty five dollars per fed head so every producer won't realize all of that the further you take your animal up the chain the more of it you're going to realize but even those cow calf producers that uh uh just sell us right off the cow or very shortly after that, they're going to realize some of that because the the person that buys their calves has that export market to to drive those prices up. And a lot of that are beef variety meats. Uh, uh, there's about a billion dollars worth of it that's that are tongues, liver, tripes, things that couldn't be sold over here. And now we have created a market for that. And what does it look like to get on the cattlemen's beef board to run for beef checkoff? What's that process like? Well, there's, uh, each state has nominating organizations, uh, in Oklahoma where, where I'm from. We have five seats on, on that board and we have five nominating organizations. There's other states that might have two or three positions, but have 17 nominating organizations. And if somebody's interested in serving and giving back to the industry, contact one of those nominating organizations in your state and, uh, get, get your name in the hat. Uh, we we always uh, welcome people that that want to volunteer and and get involved in the process. Now we don't pick the the board members. The secretary of agriculture picks those. So those those nominations go up to him, and he selects the people that serve on that 101 member board. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much. We appreciated learning about the cattlemen's board. You bet. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, another great conversation there, Tanner, coming from US, USDA. I was going to say USDA, coming from NAFB. There's too many acronyms for me to keep track of this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's the nature of agriculture and the nature of baking. It just seems like if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you just ask somebody about it. But listeners, thanks again for hanging out with us. We've got more shows this week. So tune in and follow us along on social media. We appreciate you and all your time. But for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 